We want to thank you for getting up early and rising. I'm reminded as we were in Israel uh, just a week ago, in fact, we, we flew out on Sunday. And as we took our last day in the land, we spent the morning at the garden tomb at Golgotha. And I was reminded as we, we began to kind of get into a time of worship and a time of communion that there was a foot race that occurred recorded in John's Gospel and if you have your Bibles, if you want to push and swipe uh, or if you have your Bibles, I like to hear the crinkling of paper so take those out John chapter 20, John 20 that first Easter morning I want to share with you something that maybe you've never thought of Jesus made seven very distinct cries from the cross. And we'll look at each of those in some measure. But each of those statements from the cross would have been absolutely meaningless if Jesus was still in the grave. There'd be absolutely no reason to rejoice if Jesus was still in the grave. But that tomb is empty. Amen? We have reason to rejoice this morning. Amen? If you know the Lord Jesus personally, let those who know Him rejoice. Amen? Our sins are forgiven. Our lives have been transformed. Our minds are being renewed. We have reason to rejoice. John 20 begins this way, and I want to read this for you. And now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Our, our theme this morning is encountering the tomb. We think the tomb very often from a, a standpoint of our own understanding here in America, and maybe for you it's a place at Green Hills, or maybe it's a, a, a place that's some place that your relative may have been laid to rest. But in those days and times, the tomb was actually a very temporary place. It was a place of decay. It was a place of death. The body was prepared. It was laid in a tomb. And there the processes of decay would consume the flesh, the sinews, leaving only the bones and then a year later, the bones would be gathered and put into an ossuary, a bone box. So it was a place that people did not run to. They ran from. But we, like Mary, like Peter, like John, run to the tomb. Because the de decay did not take over Jesus' body. He defeated death. He rose from the grave. The same power that flung the stars into space raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen? Went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And so many of you, as I drove up, I, I'm watching and it's still dark and people are wandering around the parking lot and they're wondering, why am I here? We've come to see Jesus. Amen? 
And I saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And she ran and came to Peter, surnamed Simon, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, which would be John, and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. And so they both ran together. What were they running to see? Why were they in such a hurry? And I think the question for you today is, why did you come? Why are you here? That question is a question for each of you today. Why are you here? What have you come to see? Have you come to see someone share a Bible study? Have you come to worship with Big Daddy Weave? Have you come because there's free food? Why are you here? What has caused you to rise early and run? Who are you here to meet? Because Jesus has a divine meeting for each of you today. Each of you will meet him in some way, shape, or form today. And I pray that the only reason that you rose up early to run to this parking lot is to see King Jesus. To reflect on an empty tomb. And the other disciple outran Peter. That's kind of John's way of bragging. Didn't want to say, I killed it. And came to the tomb first. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen cloths lying there. And yet he did not go in. And when you're in Jerusalem and you go to the garden tomb... The tomb hole has actually been enlarged. It was done so during the Byzantine times. But the tomb was usually comprised of two different areas. One would be the preparation area. The other would be the place where the body would be laid. And as you look in, oddly enough, the first thing you see is the preparation area where the body would be laid. I don't know whether he couldn't bring himself to it or whether he didn't want to. But he did not go in. And then Simon Peter followed him. Perhaps it was because of what they'd seen just three days earlier. The man whom they loved, the man that they followed for three years, watched him minister and then they watched him die. Perhaps it was because John couldn't bear to see Jesus. And maybe there are some here today that have yet to look upon Jesus. Maybe you came with a friend and you don't know what to expect. Maybe you came because you were driving down the street and you saw this crowd in the middle of a parking lot before the sun comes up and you're wondering why are they there. Maybe you're here today for some other reason but I can tell you why you're here because Jesus wants to meet you 
and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. All of these things, details, that when one looks at it, you have to say, it wasn't a grave robber. It wasn't an accident. Jesus didn't work his way out. He didn't, he didn't have a Swiss army knife underneath the linen and cut his way free. No grave robber came in and stripped him of the linen clothes and flung them everywhere and tried to see if Jesus had any gold on him. He passed right through them. And then the other disciple who came to the tomb first also went in. And he saw and believed. He saw and believed. We know that Jesus, while he spoke to the disciples, especially in the upper room the night before he was murdered, promised that he'd live again. Promised a new covenant in his blood. He believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must be risen from the dead. But then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And I love this. Can I tell you that Jesus will meet you where you are? Jesus will meet you where you are. You see, Peter and John ran to the tomb. They looked in, they believed. But Mary's heart was in a different place. Her heart was pierced. No doubt filled with fear, pain, anguish. Jesus knows your fears today. Jesus knows your anguish today. Jesus will meet you here today. He knows what you need. He knows the words that need to be spoken to you specifically today. And she wept and stooped down and looked in the tomb and she saw the two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? You see, from heaven's perspective, there was no reason to weep. The angels knew what Mary did not, and maybe some that have come with you know what you do not. Maybe today you're here and you're in that space, you're in that place where there's something going on in your heart and in your mind where you are weeping and you're looking in and you're not quite seeing. Jesus is saying to you, how can I help you with that weeping? How can I touch you where you need to be touched? And she said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. And now this she said, as she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there, and did not know it was Jesus. It's often been said that he's closest when we do not know that he's close. Very often the Lord is at work setting up things in your life and in mine. So that at that very moment when you need him most, he's standing right beside you. And you didn't even know how he got there. 
You see, some of you need that today. Some of you came today and you're bearing things that are inexplicable. They're so painful you can't speak of them. You're just like Mary. You're wondering, what has happened? And Jesus is saying to you today and me today, Jeff, I'm right here. Do you see him? And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And whenever God asks questions, it's not because he needs information. Amen? He was getting Mary to confront what was going on in her heart. Mary, you need to know right now why it is that you're weeping. I want you to know what I already know. I want you to understand what I already understand. Mary, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Brothers and sisters, family of God, whom are you seeking today? Who are you looking for? Because the only one that can fill that that place in your life that you don't understand, that you, you are having a tough time with, the only way that gets handled is by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords touching you. Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus had been hastily buried process not finished she wanted to honor the Lord by taking care of every last detail and Jesus said to her I don't know if in your Bible this is highlighted or underlined it is in mine and Jesus said to her Mary Jesus knows your name The King of kings, the Lord of lords, knows your name. He knows you personally. He knows everything about you. There's nothing He doesn't know. He knows what you did last night. He knows where you were last week. He knows where you're going this week. And Jesus is saying to you today, Mary, Jeff, And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, teacher, rabbi. And Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. And that he had spoken these things to her. In our remaining time, I now want to put that into perspective. That personal attention to the details of the lives of a handful of people on the greatest day in human history. On the day that Jesus was raised from the grave, he took time to minister to Peter, 
and John and Mary of Magdala. For those of you that know your Bibles and you know Mary's story, she was not exactly one of those ladies that you would want to associate with if you had any care for your reputation whatsoever. Possessed of demons, a woman whose reputation was sullied at best. But Jesus says to her, Mary. And I know that Mary would have been thinking back on this first Easter morning, on this time at the tomb. Luke's gospel records the first of those sayings that Jesus uttered from the cross. You see, because what Mary needed to know and what you need to encounter today, what I need to encounter today is that first thing that Jesus said from the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If Jesus is dead, that forgiveness is not there. But Jesus is alive, and He made good on that promise. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As Jesus met Mary and looked into her eyes and said, Mary, and she responded back, Rabboni, he's saying, Mary, your sins are forgiven you. Mary, I'm alive. What I promised you, I have made good on that promise. The thief on the cross rejoicing at that moment. Amen? Can you imagine... When Jesus said to him, today, you'll be with me in paradise. You see, the crucifixion from a human standpoint is one of the most evil things that's ever been done to a human being in the course of human history. It would be bad enough if someone actually deserved death. You still would not do that to them. Were someone to desire to crucify someone today they themselves would go to prison for crucifying someone but here's Jesus Mary don't forget when you encountered me at the tomb you encountered my forgiveness it's forgiven Mary your past life forgiven your unbelief forgiven the second thing that Jesus cried out from the cross as they were mocking him Jesus speaking to them as he's been declared the king of the Jews he says to that thief that's next to him Today, you'll be with me in paradise. As Mary meets Jesus, she encounters eternity. Jesus made an eternal promise. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. He makes a promise of eternal life. 
Not just a good life now. A great life now. But an eternal life forever. Amen? When you encounter Jesus at the tomb, you are encountering eternal life. Can I tell you what he did not tell the thief on the cross? You know, I'm really sorry, but you're not going to be able to join the church. I am so bummed. I'd love to baptize you right now, but we can't do that. I know you've got some money and you really should tithe, but that's going to be impossible for you. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Not today you need to join a movement. Not today you need to join a church. Not today you need to do anything. I've done it all for you. Today. Amen? Mary encountered eternal life at the tomb. There were three men that were dying that day on those crosses. Jesus and two thieves. One of them encountered eternal life at the tomb. The question is for you, have you encountered eternal life because of what Christ did on the cross as he was resurrected from the tomb? A third thing that we see as Jesus speaks that Mary would have known. She was there at the crucifixion. Jesus, as he's speaking, beaten so badly that it's highly likely he could barely speak. But the love of Christ is so great. That Jesus from the cross speaks to his own mother. He says, woman, behold your son. And then says to John, John, you need to take care of my mom. Maybe you're here today and you've never encountered love like that. That someone would lay down their life for you. So that you could have life today. But Mary and Peter and John encountered that kind of substitutionary love at the cross. Whatever you have need of, Christ is able to provide it for you. And now unto Him who is able to keep them, to keep that which is committed unto Him until the day of Christ Jesus, all you have need of is encountered at the tomb in the person of Christ Jesus as we receive Him as our Lord and our Savior. You see, from earth's perspective, again, when you look at what was going on, it's really, really difficult to understand how Jesus could even be thinking about anybody else. I'm pretty sure that none of us, suspended from a cross, nailed to it, beaten nearly to death, are going to be worrying about whether our mom's going to have a substitute mom or not. That's how personal the love of God is to each of you today. That's what we encounter at the tomb. Can you imagine what Jesus' mother was going through looking at her son hanging on the cross? 
Many of you, I'm sure, have children. Some of the most agonizing times in my own life, Connie and I's lives together, have been watching our children go through something that is painful and there's nothing we can do about it. Jesus was speaking into that pain. Mama got discovered. She's going to need a substitute son. John's going to be that son. And Jesus cares so deeply about you personally. He knows exactly what you need. And he is able to do it. A fourth thing. Recorded in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 27. Probably the most famous of all of Jesus' cries from the cross. But what Mary encountered, what John encountered, what Peter encountered that day was the answer to the mother of all questions. The question of questions. And it came in the form of a cry from the cross. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. In Aramaic, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want to share with you a little story. It's a true one. It comes from just after World War II to illustrate the why. May 21st of 1946 in the Los Alamos Laboratories in New Mexico, a daring young scientist was carrying out an important experiment, preparation for the forthcoming atomic bomb test that we were going to do in the Bikini Atolls in the South Pacific. And they had performed an experiment a number of times involving uranium-235. And they were trying to determine exactly how close these pieces of uranium needed to be to hemispheres, how close they needed to be to see when they would begin to have a fission reaction. And on that day, the two hemispheres were being pushed together and the material began to glow and become critical. He was putting them together with a screwdriver. He simply had a screwdriver in between them and was twisting the blade of the screwdriver to push them apart and allow them to come together. The screwdriver slipped and those two hemispheres slid together and fused almost instantaneously. The room was filled with a blue hueish haze. And that scientist in a very forgetful act knew that the only way those two hemispheres were coming apart is if he physically grabbed them and pulled them apart. And in doing so, he saved absolutely everyone else in the room. He would succumb to radiation poisoning just three days later. Everyone else left the room completely unscathed. In a split-second decision, 
He put himself in harm's way and saved the lives of everyone else. That is what Jesus did on the cross and that is the answer to the why. The reason Jesus was forsaken is because I am a sinner. And He took the full dose of my sin at Calvary's cross. The radiation of my sin put Jesus on the cross. And so it was 2,000 years ago that the Son of the living God walked directly into the most concentrated radiation that sin has ever put forth on this earth as hell itself is opened up and spilled onto my Savior. Yours and mine. Mary encountered that at the tomb. She was saved. I was saved. the reason that Jesus was forsaken was me. A fifth thing. Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, that Scripture might be fulfilled, John records in John 19, said, I thirst. Jesus at the tomb quenched my thirst for eternal life. Mary's thirst for eternal life. His life was poured out so that we could have His life poured in. Amen? He went through hell so we could have heaven. Amen? You see, what Mary encountered, what we encounter at the tomb, was abundant life, eternal life. You see, before I came to know Jesus, I was thirsty. There may be some today, and you quenched that thirst with so many different things. Maybe you quenched it with drugs. Maybe you quenched it with power. Maybe you quenched it with relationships. You tried to put something into that thirst, but it cannot be quenched. Oh, you try. Mary had tried through relationships. And her thirst remained. And so Jesus took the fires of hell and the thirst that it produced and He said, I will thirst for them. Father, You give them eternal water. Give them eternal life. Give them living water so that they will never thirst again. Whatever is your thirst today, Jesus is able to quench that thirst with His living water. We encountered that at the tomb. Mary encountered that at the tomb. A sixth thing. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, as Mary now meets Him at the tomb, as Peter and John also meet Jesus, as the disciples on the road to Emmaus will meet Jesus, 
Jesus did not kind of, sort of, almost get there. He cried out from the cross to tell us, I, it is finished. The work of redemption. The pouring out of his life so that your life could be spared was finished at the cross. Mary encountered, it is finished at the cross. If Jesus isn't raised, it's not finished. It could still be underway. But Jesus said, it is finished. And that word that he uses is such a beautiful word because it's used by virtually every type of business and artist that you can imagine. A a farmer, when when he would go into the field and, and... plant his crops at harvest time he'd walk into the field and he would just declare to Telestai it's finished here's the fruit a fisherman pulling in the net and filling up the boat to Telestai it's done we can go in now it's finished a carpenter like Jesus working on a piece of furniture driving the last nail, sanding the last rough corner. And maybe for some of you, that's where you are. There's still some rough corners that Jesus is sanding on. When He gets done, He says to Telestai, it is finished. And most importantly for us, you ladies know this. You just finished a retreat. You're His masterpiece, amen? You're those works of art prepared beforehand in good works that you might walk in them. The Lord has been painting the painting of your life since eternity began, before the foundation of the world. Jesus placing brush strokes in your life. Jesus cries out from the cross and at the tomb we encounter, it is finished. All you have need of is found in Him. Your completion is found in Him. And finally, and maybe most beautifully, the resolute tenderness and care with Jesus as He utters the last cry from the cross. He says, Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. Utter trust and devotion to a God that's unseen. You see, Mary encountered that trust. She had a lot of reason to not trust what had been going on for the last several years. She had seen Jesus beaten and murdered. She had seen what was apparently a Roman victory. She had seen the Sanhedrin... The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the elders, the chief priests, apparently won. But what she received that morning when she looked at Jesus and she said, Rabboni, she was committing her hands also into the Father, her life into the care of the Lord. She's saying, look, Lord, I trust you. Jesus was showing us that Easter morning as the disciples met 
as he raced to the tomb. Jesus died like no other man. But he's alive like no other man. Amen? We can trust him. And I want to simply ask you a couple of questions as we wrap up. Can you say with the centurion who's recorded there in Mark and Luke's gospel, truly this man is innocent and he is the son of God? Do you have the trust to rest in the forgiveness of the Lord? Do you have that promise of eternal life in you today? Have you received a new family? Look around you. This is a family. It's the family of God. Amen? And it's not divided along race, socioeconomic boundaries. We have been made one in Him of every tribe and tongue and nation. Do you trust in that new family? You trust that your sin's been taken care of. I had a young man that I was speaking with a couple of weeks ago. And he was just talking about his uncertainty about the forgiveness of his sin. And I pointed him to the tomb. I said, do you think that Jesus would have been raised from the dead to take care of most of your sin? Almost all of your sin? Because if it's not all taken care of, then none of the rest of what He promised is true. The price of our grace was paid in Christ's blood. Every last drop that was necessary was spilled. So many of us walk through life thirsting for things. Thirsting for relationship, thirsting for money, thirsting for power, thirsting for those things which can never fulfill. But Christ at the tomb, as we encountered what He gives, He's given us eternal life, and that life is abundant life. Amen? He finished that work. And so as we encounter Jesus at the tomb, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And I want to ask you a question. Have you encountered Jesus? Because if you have not encountered Jesus yet, He wants to encounter you today. He wants to have an encounter with you today. Not tomorrow, not next week, right now. Family of God, I'm going to ask you if you would, if you'd bow your heads with me and if you'd begin to pray. 
because I believe there are people here today who have not encountered Jesus. And we want to give them that opportunity right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, and you're saying, Pastor Jeff, I'm thirsty. Pastor Jeff, I I don't even know what eternal life is. Pastor Jeff, who is this Jesus? I want to know Him. If that's you and you're here right now, I want you to simply slip your hand up in the air. We're going to pray together. Anyone at all, anywhere. I see that hand way in the back. Anyone else. Be bold. Christ died on Calvary's cross for you. I see those hands in the back. Anyone at all. We've got three more services today, but do business with Jesus right now. He proved who He was by raising Himself from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. I see these hands in the front. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you right now. I see that hand over here to my left as well. Those of you that have raised your hands and anyone who's here that hasn't, I'm going to ask you, please pray with us because your eternal destiny is riding on one decision and it's not church attendance. It's on a relationship with the true and the living God, Jesus Christ, who died on Calvary's cross and was raised from the dead. If you will believe in Him, you will be saved. For those who have raised your hands, would you pray with me? And would you, the rest of you pray along with them. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I'm asking you, Jesus, to forgive my sin and come into my life and be the Lord of my life. Lord, I I want to encounter you today. I've spent my life walking away from you. I want to walk towards you. Lord, help me to walk with you. I repent of my sin. I turn from it and ask that you would give me strength to resist. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Would you please write my name in the Lamb's book of life? I give you my life. It's yours. Do with it as you please. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There were people kind of scattered all over the crowd. I'm going to ask you to do something after we close. Right through those doors, we have a whole team of guys. We want to give you a new believer's packet. We want to give you a Bible if you don't have one already. If you need a second one, take a second one. We'd love for you to have two Bibles or three. But we want to get you started on your journey, your walk with the Lord. It's important that you stay in fellowship. It's important that you grow in Christ. And so today is the beginning of a life with the King. Please go and, and tell someone about your decision to follow Christ today. It's an important part of the, of the step that you've made today to follow Him. Father, we thank You for Your goodness. Lord, we honor You for the work that Your Spirit's done in us today. We look forward, Lord, to that day when we step out of time and into eternity and we, like Mary, can say, Rabboni. 
Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We bless you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.